Welcome to the Diabetics Doing Things podcast, where we explore the amazing stories of type 1 diabetics around the world. I'm your host, Rob Howe, Diabetics Doing Things founder and 11-year type 1 diabetic. This episode is brought to you in part by Sarah Wyatt, who became our first official sponsor last week. Thanks, Sarah. On this week's episode, we're joined by Rachel Zinman from Mullumbimby, Australia, as we talk about latent autoimmune diabetes in adults, or LADA, the impact of stress on blood sugar levels, and how yoga has helped Rachel maintain balance in her life. All right, we are live with uh, Diabetics Doing Things. Uh, this will be episode four, uh, and we've got a very special guest today, Rachel Zinman, from, uh, all the way from Australia. So welcome to the show, Rachel. Hi, welcome. <laughs> Hi, nice to meet you. Nice yeah, to meet. Um, it's great to have you on the show. You're one of the. Uh, you're actually one of the first people that um, I don't know personally already uh, to come onto the show, and so you you found me through Instagram, I think, and um, yeah. you know we were able to make the connection. And I, I'm really excited about today's interview. Yeah, me too. Let's just talk a little bit about your background, but before we do that, uh, you have a very special kind of case of diabetes uh, of type 1. Uh, do you want to tell us a little bit about kind of uh, your type 1 situation? Yeah, so I'm a LADA diabetic, which means um, it's a latent autoimmune disease in adults, and I was actually diagnosed at uh, the age of 42, um, and at first people were really... I mean, I don't know how much information was available then in 2008 about LADA. I had never heard of um, an adult getting diabetes. And so I actually thought I had type 2. Um, and that was almost like a year where I was sort of, I guess, in a way misdiagnosed. And then eventually um, they did a GAD antibody test and they found out that I had um, you know, I was producing the antibodies and they were attacking my beta cells. And at that point, the doctor just used the word autoimmune disease. Hmm. He never said type one. So that was a, a big issue for me, um, for the next six years, because I never realized it was type one until a year ago. And so you went that whole time treating it as if it were just another autoimmune disease or type two. Yep. I diet, exercise, um, lifestyle changes, and, um, you know, my levels were pretty steady uh, really up until um, 2014. So that whole time, it was really just kind of, you know, my, my A1Cs were pretty good. So we kept thinking, okay, you know, you've, we've got a handle on it, we've got a handle on it. And the the endocrinologist kept saying to me, well, as long as you've got a handle on it, we won't start insulin, we won't do anything. Um, and so I didn't even bother to look into type 1. I didn't know anything about it. I just was assuming, oh, I've got a handle on it, it's all okay. Wow. Um, and was there any sort of moment that said, hey, I need to go uh, get this checked out, something's not right? Yep. <laughs> Well, basically what started happening was um, I couldn't control the levels anymore because I was really into, you know, checking my blood sugar. Like I was really diligent and actually vigilant with that. So, you know, I would check my sugars every every three or four hours and it just started climbing and climbing and climbing. And I was overseas and I was traveling and I was working and I 
couldn't get those fasting levels um, down. They started going up to like 16, 17, 18. And it was like that for three months. And I was thinking now, you know, I felt a bit like I was banging my head against the wall and I kept exercising and I kept sort of eating less and less and I was just trying everything. And then finally my hands started buzzing and my feet started buzzing, which was um, a sign something really wasn't right. So I went to a neurologist and he said, so, you know, what's what's going on with your blood sugar levels? And I said, oh, well, you know, they're pretty high, but I think it could be B12 deficiency. Like, I was just in such denial. Right. And he was like, I think you better go and have your A1C tested again. And then it was 10.7. Mm. And at that point, the endocrinologist said to me, oh, well, hmm, this means you're actually diabetic now. You're not pre-diabetic. And I said, what? And he said, well... We can't really put you on metformin. We can't do this. We can't do this. We're just going to put you straight on insulin. And I was like, what? You know, but at the same time, I was really relieved because I was like, oh, and and that's when he said to me, oh, you're a type one diabetic. Hmm. That's kind of how it unfolded. Um, And then he kind of later said, look, well, I've been saying it to you all along. And I said, yeah, but you just said it was an autoimmune disease. You never said type 1. Yeah, yeah. you kind of have to be more specific with some of that stuff, right? (laughs) Yeah, yeah. So anyway, he's a nice guy. I tried not to sort of get too heavy about it with him, and I just kind of moved on. And then, you know, then I started insulin. And actually, at the same point that I started insulin, I started thinking, you know, like, well, I don't know anything about type 1. I better find out about it. And that's when I found the diabetes online community. That's when I started, like, really understanding the nature of what was going on for me. And I also joined a support group, um, which was a lot of support group, which was a lot of people like me, which is a huge number of people. It's actually out of the 400 million people that have diabetes, um, you know, 10% have type one and 5% are adult onset. And Every time you say to someone, oh, well, you know, I was diagnosed with type 1 at 42, they say, oh, isn't that really rare? Mm-hmm. And I think, well, God, if it's 5%, it's not that rare. You right. Know? Yeah. So it, ha- it does happen, right? And I think, like, um, when I was diagnosed in 2005, um, you know, d- type 1 diabetes had been known really up until right about that point as juvenile diabetes. And that was sort of the layman's term. And so I, I got diagnosed at 16, so I wasn't really a juvenile. Um, mm. and, but I wasn't quite an adult either, so it kind of made sense. They, and, they, and they had said, yeah, people get diagnosed in their 30s and 40s with type 1, um, and often it's misdiagnosed, and there's not a whole lot of information out there. So that's really cool that you were able to plug into an online community. Um, what, uh, what's the community's name for uh, the uh, online community for LADA Diabetics? Well, it's actually just on Facebook, and it's just called LADA Support Group. And it's mainly Americans, but there are quite a few Australians as well. So, um, yeah, it's just like one of those, you know, private groups that you can join. And I just Googled the word LADA on Facebook, and that's how I found them. Hmm. Very cool. Yeah. (laughs) It was cool. So... Uh, let's let's back up a little bit. Like, tell us a little bit about yourself, uh, where you're from, uh, and then we'll kind of dive in because I'm really curious about your diagnosis. Um, you know, we uh, on our podcast so far, we have a lot of people sharing their diagnosis stories. So I'm really interested to see, you know, what that was like. Uh, but yeah, go ahead and tell us about yourself um, and you know a little bit about you. Okay, so um, 
Well, I'm 49 and I'm a yoga teacher and I've been doing yoga since I was 17. I started yoga in high school and then I got really into it in my early 20s and ended up teaching, traveling internationally, teaching teachers um, and basically living the the lifestyle of a, of a yogi um, from a very young age and way before yoga was popular. So like I was doing yoga in the days where we were wearing leotards and tights and studying with Indian people. So um, <laughs> it was a, it was a really, um, it was sort of a new thing when I started and, but I was just completely into it. And I just, my whole life has really just been yoga. And um, I ended up, I'm actually American, but I was born in Holland and I grew up in, um, Rochester, New York, and then I moved to Australia when I was 18. So I basically got into yoga in Australia. Um, and then I ended up going back to New York in my 30s and meeting a teacher in New York named Alan Finger and getting really into the sort of deeper aspects of yoga, the philosophy, the meditation, the breathing. And that's how I ended up teaching teachers. And then I um, came back to Australia sort of after four years in New York and set up my own programs here. So I've just basically been doing that forever. Um, and now I live in a place called Malambimbi in Australia, which is one of the biggest little towns in Australia, but it's also extremely um, alternative. It's a tourist destination. It's artists and yogis and creative people, and there's festivals here. And it's, like, very international, even though it's very, very small. Hmm. And it's surrounded by rainforest and gorgeous beaches, and it's just an incredible place to live. And... Um, alternative lifestyle and healing is very very important here so yeah that's a little bit about me <laughs> so let's talk a little bit about um i mean the importance of of yoga i have a one of my really good friends has a yoga practice in la um and she you know does yoga travel retreats and leads those as well and you know she recently was um was sick and you know she but she was able to catch um, you know, she felt off in her body and because she's so plugged into her body on a daily basis with, uh, through her yoga practice, um, she was able to notice a difference right away. Was that sort of the case for you with, uh, with diabetes and sort of your lot of onset? Well, I guess we sort of need to go into my diagnosis story at this point Great. because, um, that's kind of how it all happened. So basically when I was in I was in New York, and it was um, I was there in 2000, so I was there during 9/11, and I was actually in the um, situation when the when the planes hit the trade towers. I was in a yoga studio, and I was teaching, and I had to sort of go and get my son who was uptown at a at a at his school, and I had to walk through the streets. And when I was going back with my son to go home, I had to walk into all the debris, you know, all the hmm. ash and stuff was coming up the streets and it was really unhealthy. And then we were living right across from the, um, from the trade towers and from the collapse. We were in Brooklyn. And I'm pretty sure that that's the moment that my diabetes was triggered because I just, after that I was in shock. I didn't feel well. Um, 
and my nervous system really started breaking down. And as my nervous system was, I was just really sensitive to everything. And I was, I was having anxiety and I couldn't sleep and um, I didn't feel well. I couldn't digest things. I was having um, all sorts of different kinds of symptoms. And at the time, my yoga teacher sort of said to me, oh, well, you know, it's something to do with spirituality. And I'm kind of making a joke about it now because now I know it, it was actually the beginning of my pancreas, um, you know, the beta cells starting to collapse. But at the time, I was convinced I was having a spiritual awakening. Hmm. So anyway, you know, it sort of took me a bit on an orbit, which wasn't really that useful um, because the sensitivity, I kept sort of saying that the sensitivity had to do with the yoga. And so I just kept doing more yoga, more yoga, more yoga. And um, I just started feeling worse and worse and worse. Um, and so then I went back when I, I decided I had to leave New York, that it was too stressful. I was working too hard. You know, I was teaching something like, I don't know, 20 classes a week. I was teaching teachers. I was working through the weekends. I would work three weeks straight. And I just felt so terrible and I didn't know why. And I did have a lot of urination going on. Like I did have some of the early symptoms right. of diabetes where I was, you know, urinating a lot. I was, um, you know, not sleeping. So I was like, I wasn't really, I guess I was tired. Um, I didn't have a lot of thirst. I had, didn't have a lot of thirst, but I definitely had the symptoms of urination. And at one point we were in England and I walked into a clinic because I thought maybe I had a bladder infection. And they just said, look, you know, the symptoms sound very much like diabetes. Let's test your blood sugar. And they just did a, you know, a prick test, a, you know, like a finger stick test. Mm -hmm. And it was normal. So there was no cause for concern. I think it was like, I can remember the reading was like 5.8 or something like that, you know, and they took it. And I was having my fasting blood sugar tested regularly when I went to the doctor and it was never unusual. And then when I came back to Australia, I was still teaching lots and lots of yoga and I was still having symptoms. And uh, eventually I just basically had this one day where I just collapsed. I just, and I was already like, whenever I ate anything sweet, I'd start to feel really spaced out and mm -hmm. weird. And I think I actually had reactive hypoglycemia at that point. So I would have these, you know, incredible sort of lows, but I wasn't realizing I was having lows and, you know, things were sort of going on. And then I had this collapse where I just couldn't get out of bed. I was just like exhausted and I couldn't move and I felt really, really weird. And I didn't go to the doctor I, because I was so into alternative health and I assumed that, oh, well, you know, it's just another spiritual thing or this or that. Right. I just kind of like, you know, went to the... Um, went to my chiropractor or something and, and he sort of cracked my back and then I was like, okay, well, I feel a bit better now. But anyway, my husband at the time, he said to me, you know, let's, let's just take you to the doctor and let's just see what he says. So I went to this alternative doctor and, um, he did the blood tests and my husband also went in for tests and my husband went to the doctor first and got his diagnosis and then I was sort of in my yoga room doing my yoga and my husband comes in and he says, um, well, you know, my situation's pretty bad. He said, but yours is really bad because the doctor had given him the results from my blood tests oh. and said, you know, Rachel needs to come and make an appointment. Her situation's really serious. And I was like, 
what are you talking about? And he said, well, it's something to do with your blood. But he didn't say, my husband didn't say what it was. So, of course, I'm like totally freaking out. I'm like, right. what's going on? You know, so I go into the doctor and he sits me down. It was one of the worst moments of my life. And he says, you're diabetic. I looked at your A1C. I don't know what an A1C is. It's, you know, 6.8. You know, this is serious and you're going to have to work out how to cure yourself. You're going to have to figure it all out. And he hands me a whole bunch of, a bunch of pamphlets on diabetes and just sends me, and he says, Google diabetes. And I'm like, I'm like sitting in the car, driving home, like with all these pamphlets in my hands, going, what the fuck? You know, I'm, excuse me. I'm just like, oh my God. Well, what a jarring diagnosis, right? What it was a- horrible. It was horrible. And I was going to India in three days to teach a Japanese teacher training with a whole group of Japanese who had never been to India before. And it was the time of the Mumbai attacks. So like I was like getting on a plane in this really scary time and I couldn't cancel the trip. So thank goodness my ex-husband found me. We happened to have, our son happened to be friends with a boy whose father was an endocrinologist. So he hooked us up. And so two days later, I was sitting in the endocrinologist's office. This is, you know, my current doctor. And basically, he looked at all the results and he said, look, you know, I can't use the word diabetic here. We have to say it's pre-diabetes. And that's when the whole thing started where he thought I was type 2 or he wasn't sure. And he just said, get a glucometer, go on your way, go to India, you'll be fine. Just, you know, test your blood sugar, watch your diet. So that's kind of how we started. And we looked at it. We looked at it holistically. We looked at like my B12 levels and my iron levels and, you know, my vitamin D. And we looked at all the different factors and everything was completely depleted. So his whole thing was, let's get your, you know, B12 up. Let's get your vitamin D up. Let's get everything up before we make any decisions. So that's, yeah, that's basically how the diagnosis began. Well, wow. Well, how, how did the trip go uh, to India? Was, was, you obviously had a little bit, you were preoccupied a little bit with all that information, I imagine. <laughs> yeah, well, what was really interesting was there was an Ayurvedic cook at the retreat center where I was going, and she, we had written beforehand, and she had said, I'm going to cure her. That was her thing. I'm going to cure Rachel. She hadn't even met me, you know. So I got there, and she just put me on this diet, this Ayurvedic diet, which at which and I went to see an Ayurvedic doctor straight away when I was in um, India, and the Ayurvedic doctor said to me that the type of diabetes that I had was incurable. So she didn't use the word type one, but she just said it was incurable. But the thing was that if I ate eight meals a day and I ate these certain foods, I could probably manage it while I was in India. So. With the cook's help and with the Ayurvedic doctor's help, I kept my blood sugar levels between four and six. And at that time, I was thinking, oh, you know, between four and six is really bad. You know, like I need to keep it at four. You know, I didn't really have any idea what I was doing, you know. And every time I'd have a low or something because I was still having lows, then I'd just have a banana shake. And uh, so that was kind of like the still I could eat things, you know what I mean? Like I could sort of work with it and um i mean yeah it just really changed after that i mean it took a while it did really take two or three years for me to start to 
like from when I was diagnosed at the end of 2008 until 2010, I basically ate low carb, but like low GI, not really low carb. Mm -hmm. And I, and I managed it like that. So I just changed the type of bread I was eating and I changed, you know, I added more protein into my diet. I was eating chicken and fish. I stopped being vegetarian. I ate red meat. I, I just sort of mitigated the whole thing. I exercised really regularly. I didn't just do yoga. I had a walk every day because for me, the yoga didn't really reduce my blood sugar in, you know, that much because I've been doing it for so long. So my body just was so used to it. Right. Your body and, needed a change there. I, I yeah. Imagine. Yeah. So I added an hour walk into my routine every day. Um, as well as other forms of exercise when I felt like, you know, like I started dancing quite vigorously every morning. Like for, I actually had this really full on morning where I'd get up, I'd do yoga, I'd do all these Ayurvedic practices like sesame oil myself. And then I'd go for a walk and then I'd come back and I'd do a 30 minute dance, you know, to music, like, you know, really get the thing going. And that's kind of like how I kept the levels between six and eight for years by just really focusing so much on what I thought a type two needed to, you know, stay in range. Well, and, and then, you know, obviously like, you know, you have that moment and, you know, the misdiagnosis and you're sort of doing everything that, you know, would be in the realm of a type one treatment, uh, just without insulin. Yeah. So, um, I, I mean, and that was, that's a heck of a routine, you know, there's, there's so much, you know, because you're already obviously doing so much yoga, that's a lot of physical strain. How long did it take you to really kind of adjust to that routine? Well, I mean, I think because I just got more and more depleted as I went along, you know, like that's the thing is I was just like actually draining my reserves and draining my adrenals by keeping all that up. And, you know, I was, I was, I couldn't put on weight. So I was sort of living at this kind of, you know, weight. I wasn't losing weight, but I wasn't putting on weight um, because I was hardly eating and I was exercising so much. And, you know, in a way people were thought I had an eating disorder. They thought I was sick, you know, like, like crazy or, you know, there was just a lot of, I guess, judgment around me as well, because I was just so determined to try and reverse the situation. You know, I really thought, you know, I can cure myself. I can fix this yoga. Yoga could do it. You know, like I didn't really, I was just, it's so hard to explain, but I think in a way it was just, it was so much denial, um, that, you know, when you said, you know, how, how long did it take me to get into that routine? I mean, it was just like, there was no other choice. It was just, I just did it, you know, and I didn't even think about it. And a lot of people say to me, you know, how can you be so disciplined or how could you have, you know, just kept going? And I was just like, well, this is a life or death situation. You know, like I want to live, I want to teach yoga. I want to share, I want to travel and I don't want to take insulin because that's going to, you know, going to, I had this whole idea about insulin that it was going to like be really difficult to use Mm -hmm. (laughs) and that it would really restrict my lifestyle. And it was just, I mean, all all those myths have been busted for me. Um, life is so much better with insulin, but anyway, you know, like at the time, you know, I just was living in this thing like, no, no. And everyone's saying stay off insulin as long as you can, you know, that's all like the myths out there, you know? And, um, so, yeah, the whole thing was like a big, it was like six years of, of intense exhaustion. And still, because I was teaching, 
you know, it's weird. I didn't think of myself as a diabetic. So I didn't identify myself with that, that word or that name. So I'm just teaching and I'm just going through life and just like, no one else thinks of me as a diabetic either, you know, like, and, and I'm, so I'm not admitting to myself how difficult I am, what I'm actually, I'm not admitting to myself how hard this is, you know what I mean? Right. Like, I'm just, I'm not sort of, I'm just being normal. Because I've, you know, like I always ate normally and always did everything, and I'm, but I was always so disciplined and healthy, and so it was just, yeah, it's just reflecting on it. It's just like I just wasn't willing to actually take on the role of being diabetic, hmm. you know, and all that that entails, which has really changed for me now. Um, happily in the role, you know, I guess I could say. Well, and I think. You know, you mentioned that determination because, you know, people ask, how do you do it? Uh, well, you, you just know what's important. And for you, for example, it was yoga and being healthy. And um, I think every diabetic that I've spoken to, I think that's what makes us really unique is uh, and that people may not realize on the surface level is that there's a lot going on in terms of determination and just willpower that it's like, well, I, I really have one choice. Either I do this and I do it well or I'll be unhealthy or die. Um, but I also have a life to live um, and, I, and I have goals and dreams that I don't want to accomplish. I think that was my – when I was diagnosed, I didn't really understand you know, what it meant. And I, had, I was very fortunate. My diagnosis was amazing. And I had these amazing doctors at Children's Medical Center of Dallas. Um, but it's one of the top ten hospitals in the world for kids. And – you know, I know that there are, are kids who are, you know, throughout the United States and people internationally who, um, you know, don't have that type of experience uh, at the hospital, but still have that determination that they, you know, this isn't going to beat me. This is just what I have to do from here on out. Uh, and I think, you know, hearing those stories from other from other diabetics just, you know, makes it, it brings a level of motivation there and. I think, you know, that there's somebody else out there that knows what you're going through. That's just a comfort level, I think, for me at least. You know, I was a college and pro basketball player. I had to go, you know, sit out of practice sometimes because my blood sugars were too low. And I had to have yeah. Gatorades all the time and test before games and at halftime and give myself insulin. And it was it was tough. Um, mm. But, you know, I think ultimately, like, the discipline and things, I think I'm better for it. I don't know about you. I mean, uh now things I'm sure for you have changed a little bit. What like uh, what do you think? What would you say are the main differences um, between your life now uh, and your life before diabetes? Okay, well I think I look after myself a lot better. Um, I don't I don't drive myself so hard. I don't push myself. I say no to things. I'm I'm really a stickler for you know good sleep. Um, making sure I go to bed on time, making sure I eat at the right times, um, you know, regularly sort of, yeah, I think the main thing is just the routine because before my diagnosis, I really didn't have a routine. I just did whatever I felt like doing. I ate whatever I felt like eating. I went where I felt like going. My one thing that I stuck to was my yoga practice, but everything else was just like grab a muffin here, croissant there, you know, like right. whatever. And now it's just really like I so enjoy, you know, having my breakfast at this time, having my lunch at that time, you know, having my dinner at this time, doing things in a very regulated way and learning to say no. So, 
you know, there might be all sorts of opportunities to do this and do that. But if it's going to take me out of that routine, I'd prefer not to do it because I know that I'm going to, it's going to really affect my blood sugars. Hmm. So I find that the routine as helps me so much. And that includes, you know, the time of day that I do my practice, how, how often I practice, um, making sure I get that practice in no matter what, because I'm using the yoga now in a very different way. I'm not trying to cure myself with yoga. I'm using the yoga to help me with my stress levels. And, you know, the stress associated with high range or low range sugars is really so valid. I mean, it just, you just can't, predict from day to day, you know, you might be doing exactly the same things every day and your sugars are just not doing what you want them to do. So, you know, to go back onto my mat and just do my practice, it just calms everything down and just gets me through, I guess, um, whatever's going to come up in the day. So, um, I guess that's the one thing. The other thing is just how I relate to others in my life. Like, um, yeah, I just don't necessarily always go and help everybody just because I can, you know, like I go, okay, is this really, do I really want to be supportive of this situation or is it going to drain me? You know, I just kind of keep coming back to that because, um, I think we just spend so much time feeling like we should do this and do that and be involved with this and be involved with that. But actually, if you don't put yourself first, it's a real issue because, with a situation like diabetes, you have to put yourself first all the time. So like, you know, I'd rather make sure that my level is steady before I make any decisions to go here or go there or do this or do that. So that's, that's been a big change for me. Yeah. And I think that's something you don't really think about until you're in it. You know, it could be, you know, the smallest, you know, minutia of, of a feeling or, you know, I'm the same way. Sometimes I just need to, not go out. Um, I just need to relax and rest and just know that my, you know, treating myself, um, treat myself, I guess, with a little extra kindness, just because there's so much stress going on in your body all the time. And I, I think I was having a conversation on the Instagram thread with some other diabetics the other day about stress. And they were relating it to people, you know, they were, when they were trying to exercise. And that happened to me all the time when I would play basketball because the there was so much riding on every individual game at, when I was playing at the higher levels, and that would spike my blood sugar up into the three mm. hundreds sometimes with no with no food, no anything on an empty stomach on a fasting blood sugar, it would spike it up, and and it would stay there for a while. So you know they were you know I think in their situation were putting a lot of stress on making sure that they went to the gym and worked out for the purposes of losing weight, but because they were so amped up and so, you know, holding on so tight to that, they were spiking their blood sugar. So, you know, we were talking about meditation practices and relaxing and just focusing um, and just kind of easing into those things can really help. And I think that's where yoga is especially um, helpful for diabetics who are looking to, for, you know, a, a different type of exercise routine because it's not as high intensity. You can ease into it uh, and still get a really amazing workout uh, without having all the stress on top of it. Yeah, well, I just want to, it's been really interesting because I've been, so the, you know, when I was 
um, finally went on insulin and I started sort of looking into, you know, the diabetes community. And I was like, well, I wonder if there's any other yoga teachers out there who are diabetic. Cause I'm like, am I the only one? You right. Know? Um, it's pretty, I haven't really found anybody else yet who is, a you know, a Lada diabetic who started yoga when they were 17 and have been doing it their whole lives. Um, but I have found people who were already diabetic, maybe, um, you know, juvenile onset or um, Modi or something like that. And they've ended up taking up yoga and yoga has really helped them. So that's, um, you know, kind of the people that I've met. So I'm, I was like, well, you know, I'd be really interested to work with some diabetics, type 1 diabetics and type 2 diabetics and teach them some yoga and see what happens. So, because it's all very well for me to talk about it inside myself, but, you know, like I said, I've been doing it for so long, I don't know if, how it really affects my condition. And, you know, I always sort of feel like, well, how come I got diabetes, even though, you know, I'm a, I've done yoga for so long, how could that happen? So, I started working with some um, diabetics, and it's been really interesting. You know, I've, I've, I've worked, worked with three so far, and one lady, definitely her blood sugar comes down with the yoga. Like, we, we've tested it before, we've tested it afterwards, we've tested it in all sorts of situations, and it works. You can see it, you know, and it comes down really significantly over the 40 minutes that we work together with a, with a specific routine that I sort of designed for her based on her Ayurvedic constitution. So Ayurveda is, for people who don't know, it's a, it's a science like yoga. It's a sister science to yoga, and it's all about um, the elements in the body and how the elements combine in the body. And if you have a certain amount of air or space or water or earth or fire, that's going to really determine how you digest how you express how you um how your body works so you can actually look at the type of diabetes that the person has and then look at how that goes through their physical constitution and then create a sequence for them which is going to calm the nervous system or excite the nervous system or do whatever you need to do to help that person to really come into balance so working with her was incredible because it was like, oh, wow, it really works. You know, it really <laughs> calms her down and lowers her blood sugar. And she feels amazing. And she's sleeping now where she wasn't sleeping before. And all these things have really helped her. Whereas another work person I've been working with, because her sugars are basically higher, she's like me. She's, um, she's a lot of diabetic, but she's not on insulin yet. When she does the workout, it actually raises her blood sugar. So I've had to create a routine for her, which is le you know less high intensity, more relaxing, so that her blood sugar doesn't change until she gets to the point where she goes on insulin. So, yeah, it's just been fascinating. <laughs> hmm. That's very cool. It's always it's always fun to see. Um, you know, when you test and, and you're really, you know, focusing on, you know, uh, an entire routine and then, you know, you've designed a program specifically for someone to see how it really helps them and actually, you know, see, see those results as they happen. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. No, it's been very cool. So, yeah. um, I always ask this question, uh, when, uh, because every diabetic's got their own little kit, uh, what do you carry with you? What's, um, what's in your diabetes kit? What's in your daily pack? Okay, well, in my daily pack is my glucometer. I used to have two glucometers, but one of them I dropped and it doesn't work anymore. So that's <laughs> a real bummer. Um, so I've got my glucometer. And then I carry um, a bag of almonds, um, an apple, 
Um, and then I've got these all natural jelly beans hmm. uh, and some glucose tablets. Um, but to be honest, you know, because I'm, I, and I'm convinced it's because of my yoga practice and the, you know, the different things that I do, I don't really go low that often. And when I do go low, um, I'm able to basically bring it up with some almonds and an apple or, or I also carry, um, uh, a juice in my bag, like a juice bag. We don't have like a juice boxes here in Australia. We have them in bags. Hmm. So I have like a, an apple juice that sits in there as well. But most of the time things don't get touched. I just carry everything with me. And I'm only on long acting insulin so far, which is um, the basal insulin, right. which is, um, so I'm not injecting yet for meals. So I don't have to carry the insulin with me either. I just keep that, you know, I just have my shot in the evening. And I just went to the doctor and we were talking about me going on short acting insulin and he was just saying, look, your levels are still too steady for you to go on short acting, you know. So he just said, you know, whatever you're doing, just keep it up. <laughs> hey, that, that <laughs> sounds cool. good to me, right? <laughs> yeah. The less, uh, the less hassle, the better. Yeah. I mean, my bag is pretty heavy, I have to say. <laughs> and my friends are always like, can't you just leave your bag in the car? I'm like, no. This goes with me everywhere. Um, often I carry an extra box of test strips as well, just in case I run out. Because sometimes, you know, when I'm having like lower blood sugars, I test a lot more often just to see, well, 15 minutes has it come up, 15 minutes has it come up. You know, and sometimes it doesn't come up and I have to eat a bit more. And um, yeah, but so far it's like, you know, in the I've only been on insulin a year and I've only been on the short acting. And so far it's really brought down my blood sugar level, um, you know, I was, I had that A1C of 10.7 and my A1C is 6.2 now. Um, and I'm just able to, and I'm convinced it's the yoga, the routine, you know, the simplicity of my life, um, how I've cut so much, so much extra stress out of my life that those beta cells that I do have that have, that are still going, are keeping me, I guess, what they call in the honeymoon phase. Right. Um, and the idea is to prolong that honeymoon phase for as long as possible. So whatever I can keep doing to do that, I'm just, you know, doing my best. But I do know that I hardly produce any insulin. I've had the test, and it's, you know, it's right on the edge of finishing. So, you know, my my plan is just to keep going as is and uh, and – trust that maybe it'll be just like that <laughs> well hey from my experience you know the best way to stay um you know as sensitive to insulin as possible which is you know sounds like you're very insulin your body responds to insulin really positively is just to keep doing all the things you're talking about just eating a really uh, strict diet and, and exercise and just commit yourself to that practice and you know your body usually rewards you with um you know less big spikes and better response to insulin. So, um, I think you've got a nice, uh, system. You're set up for success. Yeah. I mean, I just, I also, you know, got into the whole low carb thing with doc. I mean, I read Dr. Bernstein's diabetes solution book from cover to cover and really looked at that. And, uh, it just made a lot of sense to me. And I have found that, you know, restricting my carb intake has really helped. And I don't feel depleted like I did before, um, 
when I was eating more carbs. So I find that interesting. I have more energy and, um, you know, I eat smaller meals. I haven't lost weight. I've actually put on weight. Um, I'm a healthy weight now. And, you know, I feel really good. So people sort of freak out and say, well, are you getting enough calories? Are you getting enough of this? Are you getting enough of that? And I think, well, I'm able to walk an hour a day. I can do my yoga twice a day. I'm a good weight. I'm able to function and do my job well. And I keep my blood sugar, you know, in between in that good range. So um, it's okay. Yeah. You know? So what else do you need? I think at that point, right? That's yeah. Great. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, just kind of wrapping up here, uh, what would you say um, to you know anybody who's starting to starting out on their journey with LADA or just type one diabetes in general? Just like uh, some words of encouragement that you would have, or from your experience. Okay, well, I think, you know, the big thing is community and support, and I would have to say that that's really made a huge difference for me, is finding support groups on Facebook, connecting with other people, um, reading as many things as you can about your condition. Um, There's some great books out there. There's authors like Ginger Vera, who's written... um, something called Diabetes Burnout. There's a woman called Danielle, Harg- Danielle Hargenrader who's written a new book called um, Unleash Your Inner Diabetes Dominator, which is all about how to really get on top of the diabetes. There's this wonderful place called Beyond Type 1, which is um, a new organization which has set up a whole kind of uh, Facebook wall, or sorry, Instagram wall of people who live beyond type one. And it's just so encouraging people of all ages. Plus they have articles and they have like, they even have a, a great little movie out about people on the first day of diagnosis and how it was for them. So the big thing I think is community. And that's what I didn't do in the beginning. I didn't create a community about, around myself. I didn't want to be any different. I didn't want to identify identify myself as a diabetic, but actually I've, I found that actually doing that has helped me enormously because I don't feel alone and I feel like I can cope better. And I feel like if I have something going on, like I inject and there's, you know, there's a bit of blood or I, some of it spurts out, I can just get online and say, Hey, this just happened to me. What do I do? And someone will say, you do this or you do that. There's another great organization called two diabetes which I think is fantastic. And that's a, like a live online chat that goes on 24 hours a day. Um, you know, you can really get support there as well. So that's my big thing is get support, get help. And then obviously the other thing is get some sort of uh, routine under your belt that's really going to help you in terms of to manage the stress because there's there's like this huge phase that you'll go through like, which I went through, which was like denial and then grief and then anger and then finally acceptance, which is where I am now. And going through those stages, I really needed support. And I, you know, I needed a team around me that could sort of help me um, to come to terms with the diagnosis, because I think that's the hardest thing. You know, no matter what age you are, it's just such a shock to leave behind your normal life. And um, it's shocking for your family my family doesn't, you know, hasn't really quite, quite understood yet themselves what's involved. It's shocking for your friends. Everything changes. And so you want to really have that support. So 
community support, and then some sort of tools that you can take on yourself. And I highly recommend breathing practices, yoga practices, meditation practices to help you to come to terms with the diagnosis. That is awesome. Awesome information. Um, and how can, uh, speaking of community, uh, our, if our listeners want to get in touch with you online, how do they, how do they find you? Well, I have a blog and it's called, um, yoga for diabetes blog. <laughs> so www.yogafordiabetesblog.com. And that's kind of the hub of, of where I am. Um, I'm trying to up that update that weekly with yoga practices and uh, my own personal experiences of things that I'm going through. Um, and also I'm on Instagram as Rachel, as, um, yoga for diabetes blog. And, um, I'm on Facebook as yoga for diabetes blog, or you can look me, look me up as, um, yoga for diabetes. So that's kind of where people can find me. Um, and, I'm in the process of setting up a website. I'm writing a book about yoga and diabetes and, and to help people through the lens of, um, yeah, like what's your personal constitution, what type of diabetes you have, and how to really use the yoga to support you and um, help you through diagnosis and beyond. So that's kind of where you can find me. Thanks for listening to Diabetics Doing Things. Subscribe to our newsletter for weekly emails and behind-the-scenes content. And if you or someone you know has an amazing story to share, send an email to rob at diabeticsdoingthings.com. Diabetics Doing Things is also available on iTunes. Subscribe to us in the podcast app to have weekly episodes automatically downloaded to your phone.